0: Entrepreneur Weekly interviews the brilliant leaders of today in order to provide a stepping stone of wisdom on the journey to personal business ownership. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor.
1: Is anybody else super duper busy out there in the world? O-M-G. I am so busy, I don't even know what to do. I'm running a constant two or three minutes late And that's speeding in my car, that's running up the stairs, that's waving at people instead of stopping and talking to them. But I am one busy guy. That's all I can tell you. So I have a feeling that that's just the entrepreneur's life. And I've been that way all of my life. I've been an entrepreneur for 40 years. Actually, longer, but I don't want to give away my age. Okay, I'm 62. But I've been an entrepreneur forever, even in high school. I was buying and selling stuff and I'm telling you what, to this very day, my friends that I went to high school with, you know, you go to the high school reunion, 10, 20, 30. Oh, geez, it starts getting way out there. But they're like, uh, so what are you doing today, Alan? I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I buy and sell all kinds of property. Now I'm doing, you know, commercial real estate. It's fun. But you got to run, 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 run. And you know, I mean, I go through assistants, and I get this really good assistant, and then she's gone. And I get a guy, and then he get really good, and he's gone. And then I get two assistants, and then they get into a fight, and then something going. Anyway, there's always something. So Sissy Shaw is joining us. She's the vice president of and general manager of Google Assistant. This is a voice assistant, and we're gonna call this segment "Finding Your Voice." Sissy, welcome to the show. So you now know what kind of a guy I am, and I'm sure that you deal with a lot of entrepreneurs that are wanting to know more about your uh, Google Assistant, but I'm just curious. I mean, this is kind of a new, uh, from what I understand, a new job for you or a new part of your job over there at Google. Give us a little bit about uh, Google Assistant and what you think is so cool about it to begin with here.
2: So Google Assistant is designed to help busy people like you. You know, that frazzled feeling that you were talking about where you're running behind and trying to do things at once. That's exactly what we're trying to to help you with with Google Assistant. We want to build a natural and conversational helper to help you get things done.
1: Now, I don't drink. I don't take drugs. But I do slur my words when I start, uh, you know, trying to do nine things at once. How good, when you talk about a, a voice assistant, how good is it at recognizing what I'm saying if I'm not, you know, if I'm not like really enunciating? I'm just curious about that.
2: Well, that's a great question. And in fact, you as a, a podcast person, you're probably better at enunciating than most of <laughs> you, the would population <laughs> in the world. <laughs>
1: right. But I could, I could get a little crazy. But yes. So tell us about that.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, people don't speak clearly. And actually, people speak with a lot of hesitation. They don't enunciate well. They pause. They change their mind mid-sentence. They interrupt themselves. And so Google Assistant is a technology that wants to understand you regardless of how you speak. So you can be natural. We have users who have actual speech impairments that we're trying to figure out how to understand them when normal human beings have a hard time understanding them. We have users who speak with accents or speak in mixed languages like Spanish and English. And we're building technology to understand them, too. So it's it's really exciting to be working on this.
1: So I use Google Calendar. Does it work with the other? I'm sure it does with the other products that you guys have out there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like people get things done using a variety of different tools, right? Calendar, to-do lists sending emails and texts while you're in the car. And Google Assistant is integrated with those different types of tools so you can get those things done even when you can't use your fingers and are tapping away at your screen.
1: Tell us a little bit. I'm just curious about your background, Sissy, because Google such a a universe. I've never been to Google, but I I know friends that have been to the, the headquarters. And it's like, how do you describe Google? I remember when it started, and now today, it's it's like a universe.
2: Oh, my gosh. Where do I start? Uh, well, I've, I've been almost at Google for 16 years. Wow. So I basically grew up. I think when I joined the company, I was like employee 5,000, and we're in the hundreds of thousands of uh, Googlers oh, wow. now. Wow. When I first visited Google, I felt like it was like Disneyland for software engineers. Right. I was like volleyball courts and pet dinosaurs and hanging rockets and the it was a pretty crazy and like basically the micro kitchens looked like Seven Eleven you could basically <laughs> eat anything you wanted <laughs> but yeah you know google is a really big place and what's kept me here is just that ability to build stuff that changes the world
1: cool that's a great place to take a break we're talking with uh Sissy Shaw, she is the Vice President and General Manager Assistant at Google. This is a voice assistant. You know, there's other ones out there, but and Google's been out there with theirs for evidently like six years. So as an entrepreneur, we're going to talk next about uh, some of the cool things that the Google Assistant can help you with because we all need ideas of how to be more efficient. Don't go anywhere. It's, it's Entrepreneur Weekly.
0: with me. I love it. Love Play the cards with to start And after he's been hooked I'll play
1: the one that's on his heart oh, 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 Well, you're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly I'm an entrepreneur I have been all of my life I remember my lemonade stand When I was like, oh my gosh, hold on It would have been 1965 And a motorcycle cop pulls up to get some lemonade, of course, but I thought I was going to jail. So I ran into the house. Get the hell out of here. I'm going to jail. And my mom kind of took me back out and she's like, did my son do something wrong? He goes, no, I just wanted to get a cup of lemonade. So I have been an entrepreneur my whole life. And today we live in this, gosh, this virtual reality, digital world where you have these virtual assistants and voice assistant and, of course, uh, Google assistant. We're talking with uh, Sissy shao and she's the vice president, general manager of Google Assistant. Finding your voice is what we're talking about here. My question for you, the next one, Sissy, is, you know, I've been to some of these big tech companies and our human brains, we have, you know, we kind of perceive what a big company like Google is. And since I've only seen science fiction movies, I always kind of perceive these big, like Google is like this big, you know, I a planet that's floating in the universe out there somewhere and, and, and it just information's coming out of it. But that story that you told about when you first started working there and it was fun, that's life, that's life happening. And as entrepreneurs, life keeps happening. A little while ago, somebody called me and they said, can you come do this now? And I'm like, no, I can't. I got to go interview the lady from from Google. And he's like, but no, we got to go do it now. I, said, I can't. Can we do it like in an hour? Okay. So everybody starts rearranging their schedules. You know what I mean? Because nobody's schedule meshes with somebody else's. How many times do we all try and schedule a meeting and it's like, oh my God, it takes 30 emails to get five people to schedule themselves on, you know, together. So life happens. What I want to know is can you use Google assistant and do people use it as also part of their, their day-to-day life? Or is this a business tool? Just curious.
2: Yeah. You know, I think business life and personal life is all a blur. Um, I'm I'm taking this call from my home right now because I was working from home today. And, you know, in between juggling meetings and appointments and, you know, booking camp for my kids, there's a lot going on. Exactly. Home and work life are merging and the assistant endeavors to help you save those precious minutes that you need. I talked to a customer. She was like, you know, those minutes add up every time I use the assistant to remind me to feed the cats or remind me to water the plants or I need to put this dentist appointment on the calendar before I forget. And I just tell my voice assistant and she just does it for me. Those minutes all add up yeah. and that's personal and that's work too.
1: I agree. And, and I try to tell my friends all the time, like, and excuse my uh, way of saying this, but it's like, dude, you have a phone in your hand, use it. It's more than just a phone. It's a complete computer that has more computing technology than what went to the moon in 1968 by about a billion times. I don't know how many times, but you know what I'm saying? It's like these little devices we carry around with us are amazing and people forget, you just named off some really simple ones. I actually have a herd of cows, and I have alpaca, I have six alpaca, and I, you know, you got to get the alpaca sheared before a certain time, otherwise they get too hot. You got to make sure you feed the cows, and you got to make sure you get, you know, like a, a vitamin lick for them. I am reminding myself all the time using these these kinds of assistants that you're talking about, voice assistants, because we have such... Amazing, effective lives if we use the tools that folks like yourself over at Google with this voice assistant are putting out into the world. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this is a no-brainer. I mean, one more segment with you when we come back. You get to be the uh, professor and uh, teach Entrepreneur One Hundred and One. So whatever, <laughs> you better get ready because whatever you want to talk about, it's your turn. How can people use Google Assistant? finding their voice to become more efficient entrepreneurs. We're just we're talking about it, but I'm sure you may have some brilliant things to say. So I'm going to give you the stage. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. We'll be right back.
0: I say oh watching him fall never
1: heard of- How would you like a playbook when a playbook doesn't exist? Simon Leslie's new book Equanimity A diary of CEOs in crisis might just answer some of those unanswered questions about life and business. Like how do I get love back in my business or relationship? How do I find love in what I do? How do I stop underpaying myself and working 90 hours a week? How do I learn to be present at work, at home, and find time for me? How do I attract better and bigger opportunities? And how to be a heart-centered leader? 50 conversations with some of the greatest minds on kindness, heart-centered leadership, negotiation, gratitude, energy, mindfulness, and many, many more. If you don't believe me, just follow Simon Leslie on LinkedIn and read his monthly exploits. He really is living a wonderful life of love, adventure, and success. Equanimity is available on Amazon.
0: Listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now here's your host, Alan Taylor.
1: I have been beamed up, Scotty, to the gigantic planet called Google. Uh, Sissy Shaw is joining us, Vice President, General Manager, Assistant at Google. And I am—I um, don't know—what are we? Eight miles above the Earth, floating in the uh, Google planet? No, I'm joking. Listen, I love meeting people at these these organizations, these big ones like Google and and other ones that I get to talk to, because you folks are just people, too. And you have lives, too. And you and I were talking in the commercial break about how we're so connected to these supercomputers. And this is where, you know, these voice assistants like Google Assistant come in real handy. Maybe you could talk to that, Sissy.
2: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, mobile devices are just so powerful, like you said. But I don't know if you ever had this experience, but when you get, you know, sucked into your phone, do you feel like it's like this vortex where, in, you know, two hours has gone by and you oh, don't know yeah. where it went?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Usually it's a smack in the head by my wife. But, yes, continue.
2: <laughs> it's like the FOMO, right? You know, right? I, I need to do this task or right. a tour for work. I need to send an email. And all of a sudden I'm scrolling through my feed. Right. And so I think the Google Assistant is a way to get things done without having to be sucked into that vortex. You know, I talked to a a woman who uses the Google Assistant. She said, I don't want to go to my phone to do that task. Like, if I can do it through my voice, then I can keep combing my daughter's hair and we're hanging out in the living room and I'm not going to get sucked into that, like, whole universe of the supercomputer.
1: And even Um, the watch, right? If you have a Google, the watch that is connected to this whole thing, that would work as well, wouldn't it?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. We envision like you're talking to your supercomputer through your wrist and you don't need to pull that phone out. I actually bike home from work sometimes and I need to tell my husband, hey, I'm going to be home in 25 minutes. Like my phone's in my backpack and I just talk to my wrist and I've sent the email or the message to him.
1: Yeah, this is really pretty simple. I mean, it just makes sense. So I want to shift just a little bit and talk about leadership skills. I mean, this whole show is about entrepreneurs. And so here you are at the, um, you know, big giant company, Google. Maybe we could talk about your general philosophy on building teams because you've been there for so long now. It's just natural to you. For me, I would walk up, my jaw would be hanging down like, whoa, this is Google. But it's like your family there. What's your philosophy when it comes to building teams? How do you pull people out of that? mindset and bring them back down to earth?
2: The thing about Google Assistant and voice technologies in general is that everybody kind of can tell you what it should really look like. You were using the Star Trek analogy, beam me up, Scotty. Like there's a computer there that you talk to in Star Trek. Right. Or, you know, Tony Stark has Jarvis and, you know, we want to build that, but like the raw materials aren't there yet. So building the right team, I am hiring for people who are what I of as pragmatic dreamers, Hmm. which are two dichotomous words, right? You think about a dreamer, head in the clouds, like thinking about the future, what does it look like? But like the pragmatism is like, I don't have all the materials I need to build this super Star Trek computer yet. So what do I have the materials to build? And what is the right attitude of working with the materials so that I I can build an assistant that's useful for you today?
1: Right. Mm. Do you have any secrets? I mean, because you're a productivity genius with this thing, Google Assistant, what are your secrets beyond that? Because then there's the human factor, right?
2: Absolutely. I think uh, hiring for the right attitude is so key. One of the attitudes that I look for in my interview panels is humility. Hmm. I just think if you come thinking I'm the best technologist and I already know all the things and I know what this thing can do and I have a fixed mindset on it, that's not the right person for the team. I look for people who are humble and have creative curiosity and are willing to work with other people who are experts and admit what they don't know, but are still there to like work together to build an amazing magical product. So humility is really important for me.
1: I love that creative curiosity, something that is, being beaten out of too many people these days out of fear. My question for you then is if you have any personal advice for somebody, for leaders that are listening to this, that want to try and achieve, I mean, 16 years at Google, my goodness, that's, that's success in my book. And especially to be leading this team for Google assistant, any advice?
2: Well, I mean, I would say deliver real value to people. Focus on what value you're building for people in the world. How are you going to make people's lives better? What is the actual value? And focus on that and get your team focused on that. That would be my number one piece of advice.
1: I love it. I love it. I love how you're just one of us. And that is so important. I think too many entrepreneurs, they have dreams, but they don't give themselves permission to be successful to the level that they should and because maybe they've doubted themselves along the way. But I, what I hear coming from you is a human factor that I I have to say this. There needs to be more of that in big corporations. I mean, who says that? What I look for is humility. I love that personally. Sissy Shao, thank you for talking with us. And I, I think that, of course, this um, Google Assistant is a, a kind of a no-brainer. I love it. Beautiful. Well done
2: thanks alan for having me delighted to have had this chat
1: with you keep up the good work keep looking for humble people humility is such a beautiful thing Uh, assistant.google.com if you want more information on it sissy shall uh coming up next we're going to talk uh i guess mike mike etchert he's got what do you mean he's got interviews oh mike etchert's got interviews we'll be right back I'm Alan Taylor from Entrepreneur Weekly. Child sexual exploitation is an unimaginable crime that continues to invade our communities and homes. The Maloof Foundation is confronting this crime by providing education, promoting healing, and ensuring justice for survivors. But this cause can't be won alone. Learn how you can join the Maloof Foundation in their efforts to preserve a child's right to freedom, hope, justice, and dignity at MaloofFoundation.org. That's M A L O U F Foundation.org.
0: Discover unstoppable industry influencers who celebrate disruptive thinking and game changing business strategies on Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Hey, welcome everyone to the second half
3: of the Entrepreneur Weekly Radio Show. My name is Mike Etchart. Alan Taylor has been kind enough to hand me the baton and hang out here because I'm at the NAMM show here in Anaheim, California. And when one goes to the NAM show, it's a trade show for the music products world, there's no better person to be hanging out with than this handsome gentleman next to me. He is Dennis Houlihan, former president of NAM. And what is your, I can't quite read your badge. Past chair. Past chair. It's better than
4: past stool, I
3: think. Yes, yes, it is. Every day of the week. And then you are also the the former president of of Roland U.S., which is a very huge company. And not only that, but you're also a person who really knows the history of this musical mm-hmm. instrument world. I've grown up at this event and in this industry, and uh,
4: mm-hmm. so it's, it's always fun to get to see you. And you know, welcome to Anaheim. Welcome to the NAMM show.
3: Yes, we are two and a half years removed from the last one. Correct. Correct. And, and a long two and a half years. It's been a long two and a half years, but I am so happy to be back. Happy to see you. Happy mm-hmm. to see... A thousand of my closest friends that are milling around. Hopefully, there's more than a thousand of your closest friends. I think there might be. As I was driving over here, because this, of course, is Entrepreneur (laughs) Weekly Radio, I was thinking about when I first got into music as a high school kid, playing in a band, and the things that I lusted after, music gear wise. I wanted a Hammond organ and a Leslie speaker. Hammond organ was developed by Lorenz Hammond, correct? The Leslie speaker by by Don Leslie, Leslie, right? I wanted a Fender Stratocaster, Leo Fender. Fender. Started just down the road here in 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 Orange County in Fullerton. I wanted a Marshall amplifier, Jim Marshall, a UK... uh, Wonderful guy. Wonderful guy. I wanted an Oberheim synthesizer, Tom Oberheim. Mm -hmm. What is it about this business and these entrepreneurial figures that dominate... And these companies still exist, by the way. Their their founders may have passed away. but, But this is a business where you've got these tinkerers. You've got these folks that just... They get the itch, and they create these small companies that get big fast. It seems like a, it's it's a very welcoming industry to entrepreneurs. It is, it is. And if you go backwards and look at the music products industry, not just in the United States, let's go
4: back to its European roots. Mm-hmm. For people who were interested in violins, uh, you wouldn't go to the violin store; you'd find the luthier or the craftsman who could carve the violin and finish it and you would buy this piece of art that was capable of making this beautiful sound. The most famous maker was Stradivarius. I mean, they're like, wow, you know? But there wasn't mass production. There weren't factories. These were handcrafted, individual, one-off kind of things that lent to that entrepreneurial spirit. And that migrated across the Atlantic into the United States. And some of the earliest makers of musical instruments were piano makers. And they weren't making thousands, and they were maybe lucky to make a hundred pianos by hand in their workshops. Mason and Hamlin, Steinway, and, Steinway some. and some. And that entrepreneurial spirit helped make those instruments as special as they were, as special as they are. And today there's a whole new world of, I call them technology entrepreneurs, like Tom Oberheim with the Oberheim Synthesizer, Bob Moog with the Moog Synthesizer. And these guys were frequently thought of as just, this this is a strange dude who's out of his mind who makes something that makes strange sounds. Well, Hello switched on Bach. Yes. And the rest is history. Indeed, know? a very famous album from the late 1960s. That's right. Yeah. With uh, Wendy Carlos. Yes. You know, just amazing. Repositioned how people thought about synthesizers. And you walk around the show and there's, there's a small group of people. Those were the folks that used to be down in Hall E in the lower level. Which is for the small upstart companies. Yeah, and yes. i love to go down there, and I was just walk carefully, because you could see those folks are going to make it upstairs, yeah. that's going to grow, and now, although NAMM is not occupying Hall E this year, there's lots of room and space to do that, but some smaller software companies yeah, that, as music software becomes an important part of today's production environment, some of these small companies, small ideas that make huge, huge differences. Yes. There's a product here called Farplay, and... It's designed to reduce latency over the internet. I think I saw
3: them over. They're just around the corner here.
4: Yeah, and and you know, it's we all have are used to Zoom meetings. Yes, unfortunately. But doing music on Zoom is not a pleasant experience right? because the latency is critically interfering with quality musical experiences. But these software products, and FarPlay being one of them, the latency is reduced to like ten milliseconds. Wow. Which is pretty doggone close yes. to being spot on. And I've watched the demo for Farplay and the pianist is in Paris. The singer is in Switzerland. And so he just says, one, two, three, clap. And the singer is going one, two, three, clap. And it's like, this isn't gonna work, you know. They run it through Farplay, one, two, three, and they're both clapping at the same oh. time. And then she sings and he played and it's like, this works. This is very cool. And there's a, a couple of examples of that around the show. I had a chance to hear a version of the performance I saw this morning by Eric Whitaker in this amazing virtual choir with live string players and live pianists in sync due to, a, I think, Jack Sprint I think is what the that software was. Mm-hmm. And it all lined up. It was like, this is really cool. Wow. You know, still singers singing and players playing, but the latency had reduced to a point that it was
3: unidentifiable. It was perfect. And what, what a huge soundscape that opens up in oh terms of God. collaborating yeah. with people around the world. Yeah. And particularly in, in today's world,
4: there's still a, a high degree of, of uh, speculation. Is it safe to be here at the sure. NAM show? Mm-hmm. And I know that NAM has worked very hard to increase the aisle sizes so social distancing is, is paramount. There are masks all over if people want to choose a mask. There's actually, I believe, on badges, there's a, a yellow, green, and red dot system.
3: That's right. If you want, if it's if you can be hugged or yeah. if you can, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you. I, yeah. I missed all three of those badges. I don't have either either. But so. it's fun to see how some people, they're
4: backing up. You know, don't touch me. Okay? Yes. Other people are eager to do fist, fist bump. bump or elbow bumping. And other people say, bring it on. Kind yes. Of teeth. They're but back. it's fascinating to see NAM has worked hard to create that kind of safe environment so people can come. Retailers and their salespeople can come here, see new products, and feel safe going home. That they'll be healthy, and they can continue to sell musical instruments to their local markets safely, yes. healthy, and that entrepreneurial spirit is here in all different ways. I mean, we're sitting the benefit of sitting next to a very big company, Harman, mm-hmm. that is one of the most respected names in audio worldwide. For sure, but. 20 feet from here there's going to be a small startup entrepreneur that has a new idea on how to make a sexy microphone yes. at a good price not probably making the first ones by hand i love that because that's the basis that's the the bones of the music products industry because these large companies didn't happen overnight steinway didn't become who they are you know in a couple of years it took decades decades yamaha is now gigantic It started out very small with reed organs, and it's fun to see where the genesis, where the roots of some of these companies are, and Harman at one point was a very small company. Now it's a giant in, in the industry, and that's one of the beautiful things about the music products industry, particularly the entrepreneurs who have been able to make their mark and grow their businesses, create careers for people, and create products that let musicians compose, create, and perform wonderful music that keeps getting better all the time and I think that's the true entrepreneurial spirit that comes to play here for all
3: the listeners of entrepreneur radio well and what's what I think is also fun very interesting is that some of those things I mentioned like the Hammond organ and the Moog synthesizer the creators of those products were not musicians correct you know and so you've got people that just have an idea and they may or may not play, but they have the wherewithal, or the sense, or the passion, or the drive to just kind of bring it to market. So on that note, Dennis, let's take a quick break. We are at the NAM show. I'm with Dennis Houlihan. We are hanging out. It's kind of loud here, but that's the fun part about it, right? Lots of people talking, wandering around, musicians. It is wild. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you a trick question. Oh, no. Okay. Well, let's see how we do. So hang with us. We're coming right back. This is Entrepreneur Weekly. back, everyone. Mike Etchart with Dennis Houlihan at the NAMM Show in Anaheim. It's the Music Products Trade Show, uh, which hasn't been held for two and a half years. Dennis and I are giddy about being back. Just delighted to be back. Yes. Now, you said, you teased a second ago that you're going to give me a trick question. Okay.
4: You I'm, mentioned Hammond organs yes. on, your, on your wish list. Yes. And it was created by Lawrence
3: Hammond. Do you know what Mr. Hammond's first successful product was? It was either the synchronous clock or it was the... Bridge table, synchronous clock. The synchronous clock, right. and then he also invented a bridge, bridge table. Uh, yes, and that was, as I understand it, when a synchronous clock was desirable in like the 1920s because of the different power systems. Correct. Right? It was relatively early in electricity Correct. history, and that stabilizing
4: ah, synchronous right. motor, yes. yes, helped create the drawbars or the, the oscillating tone wheels that led to the drawbars, the famous Hammond sound. Uh-huh. which can all be traced back to the Hammond clock because that was so ubiquitous on people's mantles in yes. the 20s and 30s.
3: Yeah, they're beautiful clocks,
4: Oh, too yeah, you. and, and you know, that was pretty slick when you had an electric clock on yeah.
3: your mantle. Yeah. Well, and that you know, as we talk about the Hammond organ, it's interesting to note when you're an entrepreneur and when you are creating products just out of your creative mind that sometimes... They go to places you could not have imagined. Very true. And so, of course, Lorenz Hammond's idea was to basically make an electric pipe organ. Correct. Because pipe organs, of course, were huge and were expensive. And his idea at the time was really institutional, so churches and funeral Correct. parlors, things like that. They were very expensive, about twelve hundred dollars when the Model A came out in nineteen thirty-five-ish. About the cost. You of know, you beer. Hammond history very I, I well. I do, yeah. I do. But along the way. Gospel churches started using oh, it. Oh, yeah. And then, from what I've heard, and he died in the early 70s, I think, Correct. right? Correct. And he really kind of hated rock and roll and jazz and, and performers. He, and that wasn't his thing. And yet, that's where the Hammond organ went. So be careful what you create, because once it's out of your control, it goes places where you
4: couldn't have imagined. It was a wonderful story about Mr. Hammond and the early start of the Hammond Organ Company. And they had some pretty aggressive marketing people who said, the Hammond organ can make, you know, 7,200,000, some number sounds. And a large pipe organ builder filed a suit against Hammond and said, no, 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 that's not possible. That's a gross exaggeration, and you're misleading the public. And it ended up the way I was told in a demo at the University of Chicago in the chapel on the campus of the University of Chicago. They had a wonderful pipe organ, and Hammond brought in their Model A, and the judge was there. I think it was a, a, It was not a jury trial. The pipe organ played some different sounds, and the person playing the Hammond organ started making different sounds, and making different sounds, and making different sounds. It's my understanding
3: that the suit was thrown out right because there. the judge was convinced they can make all these sounds. Wow. So go away, kind of routine. And, and wasn't there another lawsuit? against Hammond by saying you can't call it an organ right right and he won that one as well Yes, and so you know, and it's it's so, and and there, the, there's a Hammond, the, the the Hammond organ company is now owned by a, a, a Japanese company called Suzuki. Cool. Suzuki. Right. So it's Hammond Suzuki, but they're still around. They are still, we still strive for that sound yeah. that the Hammond organ makes. And again, Absolutely. But not because we are in a church or an institution, because of the pop and rock and soul and hip hop and all of that music that is. That we grew up listening to the Hammond organ sound in. As a testimony, again, to the entrepreneurial spirit, or
4: particularly the American spirit of entrepreneurship when it comes to the music products industry, so many of the original Hammond organ products built in the 30s and 40s are still playing today because they were built like battleships. Indeed. And they may need a little oil on the mechanism that moves the tone wheels, but non-destructo. And you realize that when you go to move one of those, oh, yeah, they're have, heavy. And you're not fathering children and
3: anymore.
0: <laughs> after, that's right. After
3: that, they are heavy. But that's right. They were built to last.
4: And they have lasted. Yes. And, and that sound has lasted. But it's always fun for me to see an older Hammond organ that's
3: been well and lovingly maintained, cared for. Cared for and it still sounds magical. It really does. And on that note, we are gonna take a quick break for a commercial. Dennis Houlihan and I will be right back after these words from the NAMM show in Anaheim, California. This is Entrepreneur Weekly.
1: Are you paying too much for business insurance? Do you have critical gaps in your coverage? entrepreneur insurance can help you find out in six out of 10 policies business owners are paying too much for property general liability or workers comp insurance entrepreneur insurance can help you identify ways to save and any gaps in coverage head to entrepreneur.com insurance to complete the questionnaire and get a personalized quote it's an easy way to find out if you're paying too much again that's entrepreneur.com insurance
0: Discover unstoppable industry influencers who celebrate disruptive thinking and game-changing business strategies on Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor.
3: Hey, welcome back, everyone. Mike Etchart with Dennis Houlihan at the NAMM Show in Anaheim. It's the Music Products Trade Show, uh, which hasn't been held for two and a half years. Dennis and I are giddy about being back, delighted to be back. It's fun to me to come back and walk through the aisles of the show and go,
4: I remember when they were downstairs. Now they're upstairs. Yes. They used to be 10 by 10 now it's 10 by 20 they've made made a a much larger larger booth
3: exactly that's
0: right
4: which is good it's good for the business it's good for family music centers that are local community-based music stores Mm -hmm. that can offer all these products to people in their community and not just sell them the products but
3: teach them how to play it teach them how to use it so, they can grow into products rather than grow out of products. Right. And we should also mention the NAM show, uh, the first NAM show was 1901. Yeah. Correct. So, we're talking about a trade show that's been around for uh, 121 years. Yes. Yeah. We should mention NAM,
4: NAMM, N A M M, is the mm-hmm. acronym for National Association of Music Merchants. Yes. And NAMM actually started as a group of piano dealers in New York who were attempting to stop some pretty unsavory practices in the piano business with bad pricing and over-inflated comments about pianos and how they were constructed and that kind of stuff. And so a group of merchants got together and created this association to say, this is how a piano should be built, and this is, this is what it should cost, or something like that. And it grew over time, and other manufacturers of different products said, we want to join this thing, and that's how it morphed into... National Association of Music Merchants, and it exists today as the largest trade association in the world representing the people who design, manufacture, make, distribute, and sell
3: music products all over the world. And one of the trivia questions that I always appreciate is, you know, for years I did the CES show, the Consumer Mm -hmm. Electronics Show. And that actually started. NAM is here in Anaheim, but that's what, since the mid 70s? I'm trying yeah, to remember. Yeah. So it used to be in Chicago. Chicago was really the the hub of musical instruments. Right, started in New York, uh-huh. and then the industry migrated to Chicago. To Chicago okay.
4: Hammond, Oregon. That's right. The Wurlitzer Company, Kimball. Again, the names of the founders. Right. Yeah. All, and eventually, the industry migrated to the West Coast because you had companies like Yamaha and Kauai and yeah. other Japanese or Taiwanese or Chinese port of entry and it also with, coincided with the rise in Hollywood for entertainment for both audio and video sure. so it was a natural migration which is how Nam ended up in Carlsbad, California if you're ever driving to San Diego you see the flower it's fields on yep. the left hand side NAMM is the building at the yes. top there but Nam is the acronym for uh, National Association of Music Merchants and the when it was based in Chicago at the beloved Conrad Hilton Hotel, the Consumer Electronics Show started in the basement of wow. the NAMM show. Because think about it. Back in the 40s and 50s, if you wanted to buy a record player for your home or maybe even a television, you ended up at the music store. That's right. Because here's the record player in the cabinet that matched the buffet the furniture. and the dining. Yeah, right. it's
3: a furniture item.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny how... It started there, and the CES show has grown into its own wonderful entity. Monster, Monster yeah. yeah. One of the
3: largest trade shows, if not the largest trade It'll, show in the world, yeah. yes. It's massive. But, of course, and when this show started back in 1901, there was no radio. There was no television. television. So the, the home entertainment was music and musical instruments, you know, in the pre-record players, of course. And you, you see how technology...
4: Even entrepreneurial-driven technology, the development of the transistor or yes. the vacuum tube, how that created generations of products that were sold by entrepreneurial retailers in local music stores across the country. The home organ business is a is a wonderful example of that. Somebody had an idea and was able to make it into something, and Nam came the uh, gestation
3: market to grow these ideas into tangible products and viable businesses. Absolutely. Well, on that note, Dennis, we need to say sayonar because we've come to the end of our segment here, but thank you so much for Mike, joining me. My pleasure. Good oh, to see it's you. Always great to see you. And thanks for listening, folks, to Entrepreneur Weekly Radio. We certainly appreciate Alan Taylor letting Dennis and I take over the baton for the afternoon. So on that note, folks, have a great week. We will see you next time on Entrepreneur Weekly.
0: The program is copyrighted by Entrepreneur Media Incorporated.